Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. How many of you are glad that you're in Christ? Man, I just love the declaration of that bumper for us, and we're going to be enjoying some time this summer going through Scripture. We'll get to that here in just a minute, but for those of you that are new to River Valley, we're so glad you're here with us this morning, hanging out with us, and just spending some time learning and growing and being in the presence of God. It's so good to be together as the the body of Christ. How many of you know the body of Christ is much bigger than just what's here at River Valley? Uh, but it's sure good to have family together that we get to do life with and enjoy uh, the, just, just the seasons of life that we're in. Um, I know many families are celebrating the beginning of summer because school is out. Amen. Come on now. That's our family. We've actually been out for about two weeks now, a week and a half or so. Uh, but I know many of the other school districts just finished up this week. And it's sure fun to get to, to springboard into the summer for us parents that we, we enter the summer with much fear and trepidation. Um, because that means our children are uh, oftentimes at home um, and doing all kinds of wild and crazy things. Um, but it's sure fun to get to, to leap into our summers and just see what God has for us this summer. Pastor Zach's going to come up to the end of service and just talk a little bit about some of the things we've got going as a church family this summer that I want to just challenge you to be a part of. We've got all kinds of barbecues and just fun things that we're going to be doing together. Uh, but I want to give a real quick shout out to the Enos family. They opened up their home this last Friday night to our entire church family. We do Friday night Life. Can we give them a hand? Yeah. We had a blast, and, and every Friday night of the summer, we gather together, and we do a little barbecue. This last week, we had pulled pork, which was amazing, uh, and everybody just brings a little side or some food with that. We played cornhole, had fun, the kids running around. It's just a really great time to spend time together. It's actually one of the best times to get to know some of the people that are around you a little bit, too. So I want to invite you to come be a part of that. I, think, I believe this week, it's at the Jolliffe household. Is that true? Yes, um, they have an awesome backyard, tons of fun. want to encourage you to come be a part of that. Now, my wife and I will not be there this week because we are celebrating her, she's not in her 40th birthday. Come on now. And it's always been her dream on her 40th birthday to go to the happiest place in the world. So we are going to Disneyland for a few days. And we're going to be celebrating her birthday in Disneyland. Here's the fun part. Are my children in here? Oh, they are. Uh, we are not going with our children. We are just going, my wife and I. Come on now. But we get to, do get to hang out with Pastor Chris because his birthday's on the 10th. Emily's is on the 8th. His birthday is on the 10th, so we're going to do a little birthday down there together. And um, we get to spend time with uh, uh, Mark and Wendy as well. We're just going to go out and have, have a fun uh, adult time at Disneyland celebrating my wife's 40th birthday. So we will not be with you next weekend, but Pastor Zach has got the second installment of this series that we're in, and it's going to be a great week together. Um, so be praying for us. Um, how many of you have been to Disney recently? A few of you. Okay, a few of you. Um, from what I hear, I hear the Star Wars ride and space is pretty amazing. Um, but the problem with all of that is these things called lines. Anybody familiar with those? 
Apparently, they're really long. We don't go to Disneyland very often. And if I'm being honest, like this is my wife's 40th birthday and where she would love to go. Uh, I don't know that I'm so excited about standing in lines, but I'm glad to be doing it with Mark and Wendy, Chris and Carrie. And we'll have fun doing that. Uh, but it's going to be a really fun time. So I'll be praying for us as we're gone. It's going to be um, a fun, fun weekend for us as we get to celebrate her. But this summer, we're going to be spending some time, and we do this every summer, we spend some time going through a very specific book of the Bible. And we love kind of exegetically walking through the scriptures. For those of you who know what that means, it just kind of means word by word, kind of line by line. We go through passages of scripture and specifically books of the Bible, and we learn uh, kind of what the intent and purposes of those spaces are. And so this summer, we're going to be going through the book of Ephesians and unpacking just a lot of things that the Lord has for us through this amazing little book. Um, and really why we do this is we really want to be a church, a people who know how to get into the Word of God. Not just come and listen to it. It's wonderful to get teaching around the Word of God. But how many of you know that Scripture teaches us that each one of us are to become skilled at getting into the Word of God and learning from it? And sometimes that can be a little intimidating to us because there's some parts of the Bible that we read and don't understand. I'm just going to be very honest with you. I'm a pastor. There's lots of things that I read in the Bible that I don't understand. And that's exactly why we need the Holy Spirit. It's exactly why there's wonderful Bible teachers that are out there. And you know, some things in Scripture too, God just likes leaving in a little bit of a mystery for us. Do you know why? Because He wants us to seek Him. If He made everything just super easy and obvious, there would be no requirement or need for faith in your life. And so the Word of God is this wonderful treasure trove that we get to dig into constantly. And I can't even tell you how many times I've been through the book of Ephesians, nor how many times I've taught it, but can I tell you, every time that I go through it, I learn something new. And this is the thing that I love about the Word of God. It's active, and it's alive, and it's teaching us something in every new season of life that we go through. And so what I want to challenge you to this summer is not just come and listen to Bible preaching. Okay, we're going to preach the Word of God to you, but I want to challenge you to get into the Word of God for yourself. So we'll be going through certain chapters on weeks, and here's what I would really encourage you to do. Maybe read through the book of Ephesians, I don't know, four or five, maybe six times this summer. It's very short. It's only got six chapters to it, and it's a great read. And as we go through it, I believe that God has some things that He wants to illuminate in your life as we grow through it. And the book of Ephesians um, is just a beautiful space for that. Here's, here's really our heart as a pastoral team and our eldership for you guys. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this, But do not just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Personally, I just think that's called aging, but I could be wrong. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, you and don't forget what you hear, then God will bless you for doing it. Can I just tell you, you want the blessing of God in your life. In Scripture, James very clearly here tells us that don't just be a person that listens to it. Don't just be a person that comes to church, hears God's Word, and goes... Man, that was really great preaching, but don't ever do anything with it in our life, right? And so this summer, we really want to challenge you to not just come and listen to the Word of God being taught, but to get into it for yourself and let it do some work on the inside of you. Did you know that James actually stole that teaching from this guy named Jesus? 
When James was talking about this passage, he was actually talking about what Jesus had talked about in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus said, hey, don't, don't just be people that listen to what I'm teaching you and don't do anything with it. Jesus actually put a beautiful story with it, one that we all know really well. He says, listen, if you're, if you're a person that listens to what I've taught you, but you don't do anything with it, you're like a person that builds your house on the sand. I mean, you know that's a bad idea right? Jesus was saying, hey, you, you got to do something more. I want you to put a firm foundation. I want you to build your life on something that will not move and cannot be shaken. And Jesus was saying, that is my word to you. And so I just want to challenge you as your pastor here today, build your life on something that will not be shaken. And that is the word of God. And so that's what we're going to do this summer. We're going to dive into the Word together. We're going to build our lives on a firm, firm foundation. We're going to take an exploratory kind of look through the book of Ephesians and allow it to kind of help form and shape our lives as we get going. So I want to give you a little context around the book of Ephesians. You guys ready to do a little like Bible school time here? Um, this would be a great space for you if you're taking notes to take some notes around this space. because so I want to give you context for what this book was kind of all about, where it was written, who it was written to, so that your heart can be calibrated to the words that are going to come to us as we explore scripture here. And this, this book, or actually a letter, if you understand how scripture was actually written, this letter was written from the Apostle Paul to the church that was in Ephesus. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote four, four letters to churches while he was in jail. How many of you think that's a good use of your time while you're in jail? There you go, yeah. Uh, Paul had been thrown into jail for multiple reasons. We're not going to get into the depths of that. But while he was there, he wanted to encourage the churches that he had, he had started and churches that were kind of happening around the regions that he was in. And so he wrote these letters, he penned these letters, and the Holy Spirit breathed life onto them as instruction for the church on a lot of different topics, okay? But the book of Ephesians is a pretty special one because it brings about some real deep revelation. Now, how many of you know, if you're sitting in prison and processing through what Paul's processing through, I, I'm just saying I probably didn't have the faith that Paul had. I don't know that I'd be sitting there writing letters to everybody being encouraging. I'd be like writing letters to people saying, get me out of here. Anybody in that boat with me? But I think Paul had some perspective because in Acts chapter 9, verse 16, um, after Paul had gotten saved, he had his experience with Christ on the road to Damascus, right? You guys remember the, the whole shiny light? Paul falls down, he's blind. Everybody with me on this one? You with me? Okay, again, we're just doing some context here. Paul, from that place in his life, was promised something from the Lord in that moment. And it was a promise that probably most of us this morning would not want to take Jesus up on, Right? So Paul was working through this process in his life. He has this encounter with Jesus, and then here's what the Lord speaks to him. He gives him this promise, Paul, listen, you're going to suffer much for this gospel. What an encouraging word from the Lord. Man, I don't know about you, but he just found Jesus, his sins were forgiven, all of that stuff, and then the word that he gets from the Lord is, hey, brother, you're going to suffer much for this gospel. And I love how Paul responded to that in this place in time as we see him down the road of his life where he's suffering much. He had been shipwrecked, all kinds of crazy things going on. Now he finds himself in jail and instead of boohooing about it, Paul, I'm sure his mind went back to that moment that that word came to him that, Paul, you're going to suffer much for me. You're going to suffer much for me. And Paul said, oh, 
I think I'm going to capitalize on this moment and actually take what's going on, this little bit of free time that I have here, and I'm going to utilize it to build and strengthen the body of Christ. Can I just tell you, man, I long to have that kind of heart. Amen? Paul sets such a good example for us in this space of what that, what that looks like. And, and a little reminder on Paul, Paul was not a good guy. In fact, Paul was the guy that was killing Christians prior to his conversion. He was literally hunting Christians down. We would have considered him a terrorist in our day and age. And this is the same man now that is going through this process of life transformation because of what God was doing in his life. And he was sitting in jail writing letters encouraging other people. How many of you know that's a shift in a man's life? From the guy who was out hunting down Christians and literally persecuting them and putting them to death to now a man that is writing scripture. He's writing words from prison to encourage those very same people that he used to be hunting down. Don't tell me that when Jesus enters our life, we don't change. Paul's a beautiful example of that. Paul was writing to this church in Ephesus where he had actually been for three years. He knew them very well. He'd spent a bunch of time in this city and kind of spent time getting to know the people and building up leaders and all these kinds of things. And the, and the city of Ephesus is actually a really interesting place. Can we throw those pictures up there, Cass? The city of Ephesus is really an interesting place. This is kind of the, the layout of the city, and you can see in kind of that, that upper left-hand corner, it was built on the ocean. It was a, it was a harbor in the Mediterranean. And beautiful, beautiful city. Its layout was amazing. You can actually go into Google and all these spaces and look at some of the ruins that, that are there. Um, can we see the next picture? Um, but this is kind of where it's located out in the Mediterranean Sea. So you can see Ephesus right there and kind of the central portion of it. It's what we would consider today modern-day Turkey, okay, that, that region of the world. And so Ephesus really has kind of an interesting background to a beautiful harbored city. It was actually cut into the side of a hill, um, how, they, how they laid out this city. Um, it was one of the greatest harbors in Asia at that time. Major trade routes came through Ephesus into Asia and India, and just a ton of wealth kind of surrounded that region. It was estimated about 250,000 people lived. And just so you understand, cities of that time, didn't, they, 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 they weren't these big, booming metropolises like we experience today in our culture and time, right? Mainly because they didn't have the resources to be able to handle that in those locations. So Ephesus in and of itself was a pretty unique space just simply due to its size, and how many people were living there. And the interesting part about the culture of Ephesus is that it was, it was this kind of smorgasbord of people, smorgasbord of ethnicities. Because of its location on the trade routes, there was all kinds of people that were coming and going from this environment, all kinds of different religious backgrounds that were there. Many different types of, of people live there, and a, a huge part of the population, it's estimated somewhere between 55 and about 75% of the population were slaves where people that were there either working in the trade industries or, or serving the, the wealthy of the area. And so there was this, this incredible kind of feel in this, in this culture of wealth, but also a real loss of identity. People that didn't have family, people that didn't have necessarily community. And so a really interesting space when it comes to the culture of a city. And and when it, when it comes to kind of the, the realities of what it looked like, it, like I said, it was very beautiful, 
But behind the scenes, there was a lot of things going on in this culture and in this specific city that made it kind of a challenging place. Now, it's funny, this last week, I have a, a friend, his name's Doug Armstrong. He was actually the, the guy who used to oversee Channel 7. Um, he ran Channel 7 for many, many years, over 25 years. And now he's the chaplain for the Senate, um, at the Idaho State Senate. And he and his wife were actually on a journey um, to the Holy Lands. This, I, didn't, I didn't know that. But on Thursday this week, he sent me this, this picture of him and his wife, and this is actually the, the outdoor amphitheater in Ephesus. Isn't that cool? Just so beautiful and how it's designed and created. But he sent me that this week, and he, it was so funny in his text. He said, Tim, he said, Scripture is real. As he walked through just all of these places that we read about in the Bible, something came alive inside of Doug of, man, we can trust the Word of God all of these places scripture talks about is real. He said as he sat in this amphitheater and as he was walking through, uh, they were both in Ephesus and in Philippi, he said he could not help but just to be filled with the emotion of how beautiful the word of God is to us and how accurate it is in its totality. And I just love that heart. And so here's, here's the, the background for this place that we're going to be spending the summer in. Now there's a church there that's thriving as well. So Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus that has about twenty to 40,000 people in this church, the original megachurch side of things, right? Like there was a, a ton of believers. The gospel was, was spreading powerfully in this community and in this city. Uh, there was incredible things that were going on, but the church of Ephesus was dealing with some challenges, they were dealing with the challenges of walking with people from all kinds of different socioeconomic backgrounds, right? So you had slaves and you had freed people. You had wealthy and you had poor. You had transient people that were moving through this city that, that understood the gospel and had received the gospel. And you had people that were rooted and grounded there. And so they were wrestling with a lot of different things as they gathered together as the church. Paul understood this well because, like I said, he had lived there for three years, he had already been with them, and so they were working through some of these things, but one of the biggest challenges that they had was all of this mix of religion that was happening in this one singular place. They had all these religions that were coming in from kind of all over Asia that was making it really challenging for them when it came to explaining the gospel and how to live out the gospel. What they were doing was like mixing together all these different religions. Does that sound familiar to anybody? They were making a religion that was comfortable to them, that, that appeased what their background was, but also this message, this new message of the gospel that had come to them. And so they were wrestling with these things, and Paul was trying to help them to get this sorted out. Because here's what was going on in the church of Ephesus. They were having an identity crisis. They were having a difficult time reconciling their past and all the things that they had learned in that space with their present new life in Christ. And so these things were getting mixed up together. And so they were having some very weird and strange conversations. And so Paul begins to write them a letter to bring clarity to their identity. Paul set aside this time and space for the church of Ephesus to get clarity on who they were and what God had called them to. And I just want to say to us today that we live in a culture and a time that brings about so much confusion about identity. I mean, just think about what we're wrestling with in the world that we live in today. 
I, I want to be as, as gentle as I can, but I want to be as honest as I can. When we can't even identify the difference between male and female, how many of you know there's some confusion? There's an identity problem that's going on, right? When we cannot identify in our, in our lives, in our culture, when we've brought so much confusion to the world that we live in, that things that used to be black and white are now literally multicolored, right? When we're wrestling through those spaces that tells you that there's something going on in that culture that is far beyond just physical confusion, that there's some type of spiritual component to going on there. And here's the reality, as much as they were wrestling through the religious context that they had in their day and time, we are as well in the culture that we live in today. And Paul wrote this beautiful letter to them to help bring clarity to who they were and whose they were. And so I want to open us up today, and we're just going to get to the first two verses of Ephesians. Can we handle two verses today? Okay, good. So we're going to dive into the first two verses of Ephesians today, and I'm going to read them slowly and carefully, and then we're going to unpack them together as we set the stage for the weeks that are going to be ahead of us all summer long as we go through this book of Ephesians. So here's what it says. This is our our text for today, Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading out of the ESV version today. Here's what it says, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints, and just so you know, that word saints there just means God's holy people. A lot of translations maybe that you're reading actually in your translation says that, God's holy people, but that's what it means by saints, who are in Ephesus, so he's being very clear on who he's writing to, he says, are faithful in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, in Christ Jesus. Oh man, you guys are here today. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love how Paul begins this letter because he begins this letter by setting the tone for what he's about ready to write them about. And he wants to bring just incredible clarity to their heart, once again, about who they are and whose they are. And he brings this clarity in this beginning statement. And oftentimes when we read these passages of Scripture, we blow right by these introductions. We blow right by these greetings because we're like, oh, he's just being nice. Paul's not being nice. He's being intentional. He's being very intentional about how and what he's speaking to this church in Ephesus because he knows them so well. And so he speaks to them about this place of true identity in this simple greeting. And he speaks this declaration over them that they are God's holy people in Christ. And we're going to see this phrase repeated over and over and over again. In fact, in Scripture, over 200 times do we see the phrase in Christ. But in the book of Ephesians, we see it 20 plus times. He's making an emphasis about this place of identity for them and where their identity comes from. And I just want to speak over you, River Valley, God's holy people, saints, that you are in Christ today. Paul wrote this to the church of Ephesus, but what he was really is making a declaration for all of those who would say that they were followers of Jesus. He's saying, listen, you are God's holy people. I'm trying to look at all of you today. You are God's holy people. You are in 
Christ. You're not in River Valley. You're not in America. You're not in your identity as a male or a female. You are in Christ. That is the foundation of your identity because of what Christ has done for us. This is true identity, this very fact that we are God's holy people and that we are found in the person of Jesus Christ. Fast. 1 Corinthians 1.30, we're not going to turn there today, but it speaks about this place of our identity and our righteousness not coming from anything that you and I can do, but solely because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. I don't know if anybody's told you this lately, but your salvation has nothing to do with you. Never did, never will. The salvation that we get to experience, the freedom that we get to experience from the sin that we have perpetrated in this life comes solely because of an act of grace from God to you and me. It was the work that Jesus did on the cross when he said, I, Father, I, I, I know they're messed up. I got that. But I'm willing to lay down my life so that they can have freedom. And that's why you and I get to sit here today with a smile on our face and peace in our heart because Jesus chose the cross so that you and I could have freedom. That is the message of the gospel to us. What a gift. And what it did was it defined for you and I also our identities as we journey in this life. We are first and foremost God's holy children. You're going to hear me repeat this a few times today because here's what I'm finding is that we don't believe that very well. We might hear it and we might even go, yeah. But oftentimes we don't live out of that place of identity in life. That you are God's holy child. Holy means to be set apart. God loves you. We sang about it this morning. Like it's indescribable, God's love towards us. We like to write all these songs about it. and We like to preach sermons about it. But can I just tell you this? We don't even begin to understand it. We, have, we can't even fathom the depths of God's love for us. It was so incredible that he was willing to give up the most precious thing to him, and that is his son. Come on, church. We are God's holy children, completely set apart because of his love for us. Identity comes first and foremost from who God says that we are. You know what's funny about this? As human beings, we take this statement that we are God's holy people, we take it for granted constantly in our lives. Like and, and, and at first, as I was preparing for this message, and we've been processing through this for a couple months now, just working through some of the thoughts around this, and as I was processing through this, I'm like, what is our problem? Like, why do we just not get it? Like, that God loves us, that we are His, that we've been bought with a price. Why do we wrestle with that? And as I studied through Scripture, I realized that this isn't an us problem, this is a human problem. The children of Israel wrestled with the exact same things. They were identified as God's people. Anybody read that? Like they were identified that. Like out of all the other eight nations that were on the earth, God's put this blessing upon the children of Israel and made the declaration that they are mine. They are my holy people set apart. And the children of Israel didn't get it. They wrestled through it. Here's the reality of what they processed through. They wanted a king to be like all the other cool kids. They rejected God's leadership in their life 
And they, they had lost their identity through that process because they wanted to be like everybody else that was around them. That was actually the declaration. We want a king like everybody else has a king, and God's like, you've got one. It's me. And they were like, you know, God, but you're good and all, but we would like somebody that, let, that we can actually like touch and see. Can you imagine the heart of God in that moment? I mean, I can't even imagine it. But the reality of it is, is they were wrestling with identity in that moment. They thought their identity would be clarified through having a king over them. That worked out well for them. Almost every problem that entered the nation of Israel came through the kings that they had, the leadership that they had. They were wrestling with identity. It's a human condition. Here, here, Here's another reality for them. When that didn't work for them, then God had given them some instructions on some healthy ways of living their life. It's interesting to me. We get mad at God all the time because of the things that he tells us not to do or, or instructs us in in our life. And we get frustrated with God and what we don't understand is it's actually the love of God being extended towards us because he's just trying to keep us from hurting ourselves. We lead ourselves into so many terrible spaces by the choices we make. And God's like, hey, I want to help you in that journey. And here's, here's some things that will help you in your life. And he spoke this over the children of Israel. He said, listen, don't marry the people from other nations. Because what's going to happen is they're going to turn your hearts away from me, and they're going to get you to worship their gods. And the children of Israel are like, no, we're not. We would never do that, God. And what do we find? Time and time and time again, the children of Israel doing exactly what God told them not to do, not because he was trying to be mean, but because he was trying to protect their hearts. He wanted them to be his holy people set apart for him. But do you notice that God doesn't come in and just crush them every time that they make a choice? He allows that space in their life. This is what I'm talking about, it being a human condition, this identity space. They were wrestling through their identity no different than you and I. How many things have each one of us in our relationship with God stepped into and we know, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is probably not a good decision. In fact, if I remember right, I remember reading the Bible somewhere that I probably shouldn't try this thing out. And then what do we do? We go ahead and we do it anyways, right? Now, I'm not, I'm not glorifying sin. I'm not celebrating. I'm just telling you, it's a human part of this journey that we're in. And thank God for his grace to meet us in those moments. Because what we also saw God do with the children of Israel is time and time and time again, bring them back to himself. Rescue them. And I don't know about you, but I have experienced that more times than I deserve in my journey. The grace of God reaching me in these moments. And this whole time, what's being processed is the identity of what's going on in our heart. And I want to just take you one step further back. Where did all this begin? In the Garden of Eden. Where the identity of a man and woman that God created in His image and spoke life to, encouraged, walked with them daily in the garden, the morning and the evening, like, come on, they were hanging out with God. And they wrestled with their identity. Why? Because it's a human condition. It's a human condition. And the only answer to identity is when we go to the creator and he speaks identity over our lives. Here's the problem with the human state is we go to everything else that we can find to find our identity. 
what we can accomplish with the work of our hands, jobs, sports, relationships. I mean, you name it, we have created the, 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 the vastest expanse of ways to try to find identity in this life. You know what the sad part about every one of them is? It just leaves us more lost than we were when we came into the question. And this is why Paul wrote this beautiful letter was to teach this church in Ephesus, and I really believe, to bring clarity to us as the body of Christ that identity starts and ends in who we are in the person of Christ Jesus. Not in what we can accomplish on our own, not in the skill of your life, not in what you obtain, not in the resources that you have, but simply learning how to say, I am God's child, And I am found in Christ because Jesus was willing to pay the price for me. He gave me my identity and my worth. And just as throughout human history, mankind has been wrestling with this identity issue, Paul wanted to settle it in our hearts and lives as he began to lead this church of Ephesus into a transformational time for them. And so he wrote us this beautiful book, this beautiful letter, that helps to unpack identity and where we find it. And he speaks it right from the beginning, but then he takes some time to unpack that throughout the rest of the letter. And that's what we get to explore this summer. That's the reason for this book. Identity in Christ is the cornerstone, listen to me, of the church. The church, we are called the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And our identity in that does not come because we gather together in buildings. Our identity does not come in that because we profess or say the name of Jesus. Our identity comes in this because we have put our faith in Jesus and Him alone. And when we put our faith in Him alone, then we begin to find, and this is the journey that God's taking each one of us on every day of our life, to not trust in ourselves but to trust in Him. To realize that all that we are and all that we have is only because of the goodness of God in our lives. The very fact that I get to get up in the morning with breath in my lungs and joy in my heart is not because I'm a good person. It's because Jesus went to the cross and died for me and purchased for me identity that I now get to live in. Identity that is not my own, but it was bought with the precious blood of Jesus. That's what this is all all about. We are the church And therefore, our identity in Christ is foundational to living a healthy life in this life. You with me this morning? This is the reason why Paul opened this letter the way that he did. Was because he wanted the hearts of this people to be anchored in the truth of who God said they were. And so as we go throughout the book of Ephesians, I want to challenge you on this. I want you to circle or underline every place that it says in Christ or in Jesus as we go throughout this. For those of you who are like, how do you underline in your phone? Um, you, you, you get a paper Bible and you do it in there. If you don't have one, let me know. We've got a few here, okay? But I really do. I want to challenge you this summer to not just come and listen to preaching, I want you to put this now into action in your life and and really begin to go through and let the Holy Spirit do some work in your heart when it comes to this place of identity and who he's created you to be. I want to finish today with a a quote from a man that I deeply respect. His name was Timothy Keller. 
Timothy Keller was a, an incredible pastor that actually took on the challenge of pastoring in New York City. I'm kidding. I'm glad God called him to that. There's no way. Like that, that's just not, not a Tim thing, but I'm glad that Tim went and did it, right? Timothy Keller was a phenomenal Bible teacher, um, wrote a number of books, um, and, and really helped to organize in the, in the city of New York a movement around uh, being centered on the gospel. Uh, if you've re- ever read any of his materials or, or listened to any of his sermons, just such a practical Bible teacher. He went home to be with the Lord actually just when we were flying back from the Philippines. Um, I got a notification on my phone that he had just passed away about a week and a half ago. Just an incredible man of faith, uh, a man of God that I, I have just reaped so much from in my own life just simply through reading and learning from him. And he made this quote, and I just wanted to read it to you today. And all its remarkable claims about Jesus, what he has done for you and who you are in him, then nothing that happens in this world can actually get at your identity or steal the joy of your life. Man, that is a powerful statement. If, if we actually believe the claims of the gospel, that Jesus is who he says he is, then there is this beautiful, and I want to describe it this way, insulation of the Holy Spirit that comes around our lives that allows us to live in the identity of who we are in Christ and allows us to walk in joy even when it's not a joy-filled moment. Can I tell you, this is the same thing that Jesus promised us, right? You will have a joy that the world can't give or take away, right? It's, it's something that, that resides in us in a different way than just the emotional feelings that we have in this journey of life. And I love Timothy Keller and just how he, how he articulated, if we believe in the gospel, then there is something for us to obtain in this place of identity and the place of joy in our lives. And the cool thing is the world can't touch it in us. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we get to be called, listen to me, God's holy people. Because of what Jesus did, reminder, not anything we did, but because of what Jesus did, we get to be called God's holy people. Adopted fully into his family, not partially, not kind of. God says, you are my children. Jesus lived the life I was supposed to live and died the death I was supposed to die. Because of that, When I put my faith in Jesus, I now get all of the blessings that come from his life, and I get to stand as God's holy child. I want you to think about that this morning. Because of the way that Jesus lived his life, and because of the death that he walked through, all of the blessing that God brings to a perfect way of living now gets applied to your life and to mine when we are found in Christ. I, I don't even know, I, like, I just, those words feel so empty this morning and how I, I brought that to you. Because of the depth and the width and the height of God's love for us that was demonstrated in that singular space of Jesus' love being pointed towards you and I. Like what we get to live in, church, if you're, if you're living in any condemnation this morning, I just want to help you to know that's not from God. If you're wrestling about your identity as a person or in life or whether you're really saved or any of those types of things, I just want you to know that God's word says if you'll put your faith in Jesus, 
all of that, those voices get to be quiet in your life. And once again, it's not because of something we've earned. It's simply because of who he is. What a beautiful gift to us. As we kick off this series, and as we get into the book of Ephesians, I just want to invite you to open up your heart and maybe a little bit of your understanding, that means your intellect, a learning space for you and I, to maybe discover some new things that God wants you to know about how he sees you. Maybe some things that God's been trying to drill out in the places of our hearts and because of the pain of life and the difficulty you've experienced or just the lies that we've believed because we've all believed them, that maybe God wants to get to a deeper place of your heart as we go through this journey this summer and help you to see your place in Christ. That you would take maybe just a few moments in our times together and just allow the Holy Spirit to remind you that He's not looking for a performance out of you. He's just inviting you into a relationship with Him. Here's the beautiful part about relationship with Him. The changing that needs to happen in that environment, He takes care of. We just get to respond to His love that is pointed at us. And when we do, we get to experience the new life that He promised us in Him. What an amazing gift. Maybe you're here this morning and you've, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've, you've, you've heard maybe a little bit about him or you've heard other people talk about him and you're here because somebody invited you. Can I just tell you this morning to begin a relationship with Jesus is the most beautiful and simple journey. It's just simply the acknowledgement, Jesus, I need you. I need what you did on that cross to pay for the things that I've done in my life. And Jesus is the only one that could pay for that. That's the cool part about it. And his invitation is that you would just come and put your faith in him. The Bible says, confess your sin, right? God, I have sinned. I've made some stupid, stupid mistakes. But Lord, I thank you that Jesus dying on the cross paid for that for me. And then we put our faith in him. What does that mean? That means that we follow him. We become followers of Jesus. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift and journey that he has for each one of us. And maybe you're here this morning, you need to begin that journey. I just want you to know, Now's a great time to do that. Maybe there's some of us that are here that are processing through maybe some things in our relationship with the Lord, and we're maybe disappointed in ourselves, or we're frustrated with the body of Christ, the church. And if, if you haven't been frustrated with the church, just stick around for a little bit. I promise we'll frustrate you. We're people. That's the reality of it. We make mistakes. Hopefully we we have enough grace and humility to own those things and to, to work through them. That's part of the journey of life. But I, I just want you to know you're going to be disappointed by people. Jesus will never disappoint you. It's impossible. He can't. He's perfect in every way. And so as you begin a relationship with Jesus who is perfect, and he invites you into relationship with the family, the body of Christ around you, know that in his perfection, he'll give you the grace to deal with the imperfections of the people that are around you. That's what allows us to be the church together. It's what allows us to give some space to each other to make mistakes and to even maybe say some things that are hurtful or do some things that are hurtful. Because I promise you, if you're, if you're around people very long, you're going to experience that. You chuckle, but we're all here today because we've experienced that. Here's what I want you to leave with this morning is just the, the lightness in your heart, the grace to know that Jesus went to the cross so that you and I could both experience relationship with him but learn how to walk in relationship with one another. That's the book of Ephesians. Identity in Christ.
As we explore it this summer, I can't wait to hear Zach's message next week. I, I got a little bit of a sneak preview to it, but I just can't wait because I think there's just some really cool things that God's going to impact inside of each of our lives. Amen? So I want to do this this morning. I want to pray over us, and, uh, and then Pastor Zach's going to come up with just a few things for us as we close out our time together. Uh, but I just have great expectation for what God's going to do in our hearts and lives this summer. I know there's lots of travel and things that are going on this summer. Can I just tell you, if you miss a week, there's this beautiful thing called the internet, and you can go out there and watch the messages from the previous week. It's amazing. It's, it's weird, but you can do it. And I would encourage you to do that over this summer so that you stay connected to the journey that we're on together as we explore the book of Ephesians. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the preciousness of your word. God, today, Lord, I think we get to see it even amplified, God, in, in some really beautiful ways. And Lord, I thank you that you call us your own. Lord, that you didn't call us those people or by any other name other than that we are your children, God. What a privilege it is. Lord, we didn't earn that in any way, shape, or form. In fact, if we earned anything, it was probably to be rejected. But Lord, by your grace and your incredible love, Lord, you have reached out your loving arms and you opened up your family and your kingdom to us. God, we don't deserve that, but thank you so much for doing that. Lord, as we explore this incredible letter that Paul wrote, that you inspired, that you breathed life onto him, the church of Ephesus. Lord, may we listen with ears to hear and respond for our culture and time today. Lord, may we experience the life transformation, Lord, that your word promises us that we would be renewed by your word. And Lord, may as we grow through this summer together, God, may our hearts ever expand in our love for you, in our understanding of our identity in you, Jesus, and the way that we love one another. Lord, may you be glorified, God all that we do together as a church family, Lord, so that we can be light to the world that is around us. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.